I need you guys to help me out this morning by completing these phrases, okay? These are things that go together, and you may have to put your thinking cap on for just a moment, but I'm going to give you the first, and I want you to fill in the second, and we'll say it all out loud together. When you think about peanut butter, you think about, come on now, bacon and mac and milk and thunder and bride and salt and bread and there you go that's the tricky one good job and batman and come on give it up good job way to go <laughs> well when you think about these things you think about the other things as well right it's hard to pull peanut butter apart from jelly and it's really hard to have batman without robin they all go together and today I want to talk to you about two powerful spiritual principles that go together. Uh, I want us to look today at Genesis chapter 28, the life of Jacob, Genesis 28, and J Jacob illustrates for us the dynamic duo of gratitude and generosity. These are things that go together all the way through the pages of scripture, and Jacob illustrates this for us in the 28th chapter of the book of Genesis. Jacob is running for his life. He's stolen the blessing and the birthright of his brother Esau. And Esau says, I'm going to kill him. And Jacob starts running for Uncle Laban's house. He's never met Uncle Laban. Uncle Laban lives a long ways away. But his mom immediately sends him uh, to to visit Uncle Laban to try to save his life. And Jacob is in the middle of nowhere, uh, and he has an encounter with God. You know, sometimes the greatest places to have encounters with God is in those moments of desperation. Jacob is absolutely desperate. He doesn't know what to do. And God gives him a vision in the middle of the night, the middle of the night of a stairway to heaven. And in and through that vision, he speaks to him about Jacob's purpose about God's protection over his life, about uh, his destiny, about God's goodness and his faithfulness to Jacob. And when Jacob wakes up, he is truly a transformed man. And he names the place Bethel because he has this encounter with God. And Jacob uh, makes a covenant with God. He makes a commitment uh, in and through this experience that is so powerful and so wonderful. And I want us to look at this today as we kick off this thank you series. We're talking about gratitude this week and next. And I want us to look at Jacob's life because Jacob originally was a deceptor. He was a deceiver. He was a manipulator. But God does something wonderful in the heart of Jacob and he becomes a transformed man that is just so grateful for all that God has done in his life. You know, our life would be so much better if we were a little bit more grateful. And uh, psychologists tell us that the people that are the most grateful are oftentimes the, the, most, the, the healthiest emotionally. Being grateful um, will help relieve stress in your body. Being grateful will help you have better relationships. Being grateful will help you have a better attitude. Being grateful will help you not feel sorry for yourself when you're going through adversity. We have a lot to gain about increasing the amount of gratitude in our life. Now let's look at Genesis 28, verse 20 and 21. 
And it says, Then Jacob made a vow, If God will be with me and watch over me during this journey that I'm making, if he provides me with food to eat, clothing to wear, and if I return safely to my father's family, then the Lord will be my God. Then the Lord will be my God. Now, in the next verse, Jacob commits to bring the first tenth portion of his earnings to God because he is so grateful. But I want to look first of all at verses 20 and 21 because it tells us that giving and gratitude start with a personal commitment. And there in verse 21, he says, Then the Lord will be my God. And you ought to underline that in your Bible. Then the Lord will be my God. Jacob knew that the Lord was with his granddad. He knew that the Lord was with his father Isaac. But for the first time, Jacob realizes God is with me. You know, there's a point in every person's life where we have to realize that our faith cannot just be the faith of our parents or the faith of our grandparents, but our faith has to become our faith. And this eye-opening moment for Jacob, he says, the Lord will be my God. Before that, he had just heard about God. He had heard God talk in the home because his granddad was the father of faith, Abraham, and, and Isaac was, was his dad, and he'd heard about God. And it's almost like Jacob has an epiphany moment. All of the stuff he's been hearing about God, it all kind of comes to a head, and he's like, oh, this is what granddad was talking about. This is what my father was talking about. I get it. The Lord is with me. The Lord will be my God. Now, the first time I read this passage, I thought, well, you know, Jacob, you little punk. You, you, you're saying if God does this, then you'll do that. And you notice he says there, if God, a couple of times, if, if I return safely, if, if God will be with me. But when you look at this in the language of the Old Testament, this word if is a word that can also be translated since. And I think the most accurate translation of these phrases is, is, is by using the word since. And thus Jacob is saying, not God, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. What Jacob is saying is, because God, you have already done these things, I'm just so grateful. I want to serve and I want to honor you. Do you see the difference? There's a big difference. So it starts with this, with this personal connection with God, this personal commitment to God. And uh, in verse 21, the word Yahweh is used. And Yahweh is the personal name of God throughout Scripture. So like in Psalm 23, 1, when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. The word Lord is the word Yahweh because it references the personal nature of God. There are other words in the Hebrew language that refer to God in, in other senses. One of them is the word Elohim, and that is the general name of God. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, when it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Elohim. God in the generic sense. God, God is big. God over the planet. But God is also our shepherd. 
He's Yahweh. He's the personal. He's the personal God over our life. And, and this this epiphany moment with Jacob comes because he says, listen, I realize that God is not just somewhere out there, but God is right here next to me. God is the one that's protecting me. God is the one that's watching over me. God is the one who's with me in the morning when I wake up. God is the one who's with me at night when I go to bed. Wherever I go, God is the one who is with me. And I'm just so grateful. I'm just so grateful. And he makes a personal commitment to God. Now, the way that we make a personal commitment to God is through his son, Jesus Christ. And by inviting him into our heart and into our life and beginning that spiritual journey with God. Listen, the Lord will be your shepherd if you'll invite him into your life. If you don't have that personal connection with God, then, then God will just be kind of your generic, you know, he's generic God. Yes, that's true. But God desires to be the shepherd of your life. He desires to walk with you and to know you and to be close with you. But we have to, we have to allow him in. We have to make that decision to walk as, as Jacob does. And in verse 22, it can, continues on and it says, This stone that I have set up as a marker will be God's house and I will give you a tenth of all that you give me. So the response of Jacob when he has this aha moment is two things, worship and generosity. He says, I want to praise God. For what he's done, so he builds an altar, and altars always represent worship in the Bible. So he builds an altar, and then he commits himself to be generous, because gratitude and generosity always go together. It's hard to be generous if you're not grateful. Isn't that beautiful? You know, in fact, our checkbook tells our true theology, what we really believe. Uh, many people believe they can trust Jesus for their salvation, but they can't, trust, they can't trust him for their own provision in their life. Let me ask you this. If you, really, if you believe that Jesus could save you from your sins and you could go to heaven when you died, is that a bigger, is that a bigger thing to believe than it is to believe that God could provide for your needs? And sometimes we trust God for our salvation, but we don't trust God to put bread on the table. Jacob has this moment with God in which he realizes God's been with me the whole time. God's for me. And I'm so grateful. And I want to worship. And I want to give. And he gives this tenth portion to God. Now, you know, it's interesting. The Bible uh, has a lot of specific references to numbers throughout the Bible. And numbers have significance. The number seven is the number of God. You know, we have seven days in a week. Um, seven is the number of, uh, that represents the Lord. Six is the number that uh, represents the devil. Okay, if you ever see something with 666 on it, you know what that is. That, that's the devil's number, okay? Um, but the number 10 has significance to it as well. And it's the, it's the symbol of perfection, discipline, and wholeness. And if you think about it, uh, we have 10 commandments given to us by Moses, right? There's 10 of them, not 9, but 10. And our whole mathematical system is built around units of 10. 10, 100, 1,000, 10,000, 100,000, etc. So 10 is the number of of completion. 
And ten is the tenth portion. Uh, Melchizedek was brought a tenth portion by Abraham, the uh, father, the granddad of Jacob. And Jacob is echoing and following in his grandfather's uh, footsteps by bringing this tenth portion. Now, this is the paradigm. This is, this is the focus of faith even in the early pages of the book of Genesis, but it is continued in and through the law and up and through the New Testament. And that's why giving and gratitude starts with personal commitment. But giving and gratitude also grows with personal discipline. With personal discipline. Look at this right here in verse 22. Then Jacob made a vow. Then Jacob made a vow. If God, or we said earlier, since God will be with me and watch over me during the journey I'm making if he provides me with food to eat and clothing to wear, this stone that I have set up as a marker will be God's house and I will give you a tenth of all that you have given me. But I want to emphasize the vow. In biblical times, people made vows and took vows when they wanted to make a serious promise or pledge to God. Now, he's moved, Jacob is moved by gratitude. He's so, he's so touched by the fact that God is with him when nobody else is with him that he makes a vow to God, I want to I I bring the tenth. I want to be generous. I want to be faithful. I, I, I want to be committed, if you will. And, and because of that commitment, he, he, he makes this vow to God. Uh, we don't really make a lot of vows today in the 21st century. Um, if, you're, if you're married, maybe you've made a vow. You know, that's probably the best example that we can relate to. When you stand at an altar and you say, I do, to the person that you love, and, and you make that commitment, you make, a, you make a vow. Well, Jacob is making a vow to God, and vows take personal discipline. If we're going to be generous people, we have to be disciplined in what we do. And you notice in chapter 35, Jacob comes back to Bethel. This is, this is a long time later. Hey, Jacob, he goes to Uncle Laban's house. He makes it there safely. He lives there a long time. Now God directs him back to Bethel. And in chapter 35, notice the commentary on chapter 28, uh, beginning there in verse 1. Through three, God said to Jacob, get up and go to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when, he fled, when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his family and all who are with him, get up, get rid of the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves, change your clothes. We must get up and go to Bethel. I will build an altar there to the God who answered me in the day of my distress. He has been with me everywhere that I have gone. And Jacob goes back and he remembers. I mean, in this beautiful, he has this encounter with God there in chapter 28. He goes away all these years and he goes back and he remembers the vow that he made to God. He remembers the worship. He builds another altar and he remembers what God did in his life. You know, it's so important for us to have spiritual markers in our own journey with, with Christ, places, times, memories, specifics 
Do you remember the, 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 the place that you committed your life to Christ? Do you, do you remember when you had some aha moments when God just maybe opened your eyes to see some things that you had never considered before? You, you, you got to go back to those places to remember where God has brought you along. And for Jacob, it was the place at Bethel. Uh, maybe this room is a place like that for you. God spoke to your heart. God, God opened your eyes and your mind. You, you saw some things you'd never seen before. And you come into this room and you, you're reminded of that because you had spiritual experiences here. Uh, I drove by the house that we uh, lived in when we moved to Colorado a few years ago where we started Edge Church in our living room. We had five adults the first Sunday for Bible study, and Gina and I were two of them, okay? So I was totally discouraged. I drove by, looked at the house, and I remembered what God had done. How many of you know great things start small? Sometimes the greatest things that God wants to do in your life just start like this, and they grow, and they magnify. And I have great memories of that neighborhood and great memories of even that house. Um, my kids... Uh, went to the school that we that we met in for a couple of years and I was over at the middle school not too long ago and I, I was just thinking about about what God did in that place it, it's a you walk in it's a dirty smelly middle school it's like any middle school that you would go to in town there's nothing special about it and yet there's a place in my heart for that place because that's where our church grew and we reached so many people and God did so many things before we moved here. Do you have those places? Do you have those places? Do you have those times in your spiritual journey? And sometimes we have to go back so that we can go forward. We have to look back at what God has done so we can move forward in faith to the things that God has called us to do. Spiritual places. We need to go back to Bethel and remember what the Lord has done. Listen, if you want to have a grateful heart, go back and remember how God has blessed you and led you and directed you your entire life. Now, Jacob says here um, in verse 30, uh, 35, verse 7, Jacob built an altar there and he called the place El Bethel because it was there that God had revealed himself to him when he was fleeing his brother. Oh, he, it all, it's all coming back. It, it's being, his memory's being refreshed. Oh, I remember how faithful God was. I, I was out here. I was all alone. I didn't think anything was, anybody was with me, but God was with me. And when we have those memories in those special places, we want to be generous. We want to be generous. Um, I got an email from one of our church members this week, Rahelio Munoz, and Rogelio invited Jesus into his life here at Edge Church in July of 2018. So coming up on three years. And this is what he said. He said, uh, I am so grateful for what God has done in my life in and through my time at Edge Church. When I first started my spiritual journey, I struggled with the concept of giving and I did not know how God could use my giving, but after I started serving, I started looking through a different lens and I saw all of the life change that was happening here at Edge Church and I realized it was only possible through my giving and through our giving. At first, it involved 
making a bit of a sacrifice. But after a while, I got used to it and it just became more natural and it became an e easier discipline for me. The automated giving makes it easy to set the amount and have it to be the very first amount that comes out of my check every week. It makes it easy to give off the top. I give my weekly amount and I also give my time. You will often see me serving through both services. It has helped me grow spiritually because I can see firsthand the life change that's happening in the people here at the church through baptisms and people giving their life to God. It all happens here at this house. And I know giving is being used to grow God's kingdom. Our giving has helped my family grow spiritually uh, by giving us this place to worship. And Edge Church is my Sunday home and my giving helps keep it that way. I love to give because God has been so good to me. Isn't that awesome? Can we just celebrate that today? Come on, put our hands together just a little bit. Wow. And, and, and I think Rahelio had one of those moments, uh, maybe like Jacob, where he just says, you know, look at, all the, look at all the ways that God has been with me and blessed me and directed me. And, 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 and I want to be, I want to express my gratitude in and through the giving. Well, it takes discipline. You know, no one will be a tither unless you're just an extremely wealthy person. But most of us would never be tithers if we're not disciplined with our finances. I have found down through the years, as I've talked to so many people about tithing, that tithing actually is a huge blessing for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons is it makes us more disciplined in all of our other spending. And if you're going to give that 10th portion to God, for most people, that's got to be planned out. If you just kind of wait to the end of the month and see what you got left over, you'll probably never be a tither. It's got to be planned. It's got to be prepared. It's got to be thought through. It's got to be analyzed. It's, 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 there, there's got to be a discipline to it. But, but when we do that, then we have to lock down all of our other finances. And in the end, we win. We win because we're, 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 we're more focused, we're more organized, we have goals, we're more purposeful. When we're just spending and spending and spending, then it's really hard to be on point and to be focused. So it takes discipline. It takes sacrifice. And I love the definition of sacrifice. It's the willingness to give up something that I love for something that I love more. And see... That's what the tithe is, guys. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I mean, if you're a tither, you may not live in the house that's the most expensive house. You may not drive the nicest car in the neighborhood. You may not, you may not go on all of the vacations that, that you've ever dreamed of. But, but when we sacrifice, we give up something we love for something that we love more, and that is God. And when we have a grateful heart, we don't look at it like, oh, my life is being taken from me. Oh, my goodness. We're grateful. We're grateful. We're just so grateful for what God has done. Here's the third thing. Giving and gratitude flourish with personal appreciation. Okay? Uh, this is God's provision. Now, look at this in uh, Genesis 28, 16. I want you to back up. When Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid 
And he said, what an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. But I want you to look at that phrase right there. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. How many times is God right there beside us, and we didn't even know it? How many times has God walked beside us, and we forgot all about him? How many times were you all alone and God was the only one that was there and you didn't even know it? God wants us to open our eyes today. He wants us to see more clearly. He wants us to think more, more broadly. God is the one who is always with us. He's the one. And when no one was with Jacob, God was. See, in the time that you lose your job, God is the one who's with you. When you're losing your health, God is the one who's with you. When you're on the verge of going bankrupt, God is the one who's with you. When you're struggling with depression, God is the one who is with you. And you may not have even known it. But God's the one that's there. He's the one. The Lord is in this place. God is closer than you think he is. And you don't realize the Lord is in this place till something bad happens. Amen? I mean, you know, when everything's going great in your life, it's hard to be focused on the Lord. When the bottom drops out, when things don't go according to the plan, <laughs> it's a reminder. The Lord is in this place. I want to just declare this over your life today. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is the one standing next to you, even when you're all alone. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is the one who's in your life. And then Jacob made this vow. If God will be with me and watch over me during this journey I'm making, if he provides me with food and drink and clothing to wear, and if I return safely to my father's family, then the Lord will be my God. He's talking about this journey He's talking about God's provision for him. God says, you know what, Jacob? I'm with you, buddy. I'm going to take care of you. I'm with you. It's easy to read the pages of Scripture and say, yeah, God is with the characters of the Bible. And to kind of put them on a different level. I want you to know today, the same God who stood with Jacob is the same God that wants to stand with you. Okay, You're not alone. He's there. But he's traveling hundreds of miles. And in the ancient world, people didn't travel very far unless they were in a really bad situation like Jacob. You didn't, you didn't travel. I mean, think about it. Today in the 21st century, we can travel several hundred miles in a few hours. I love road trips. Does anybody love road trips? Come on, somebody. Road trips are awesome. Road trips, you, can, you have all the excuses to stop at DQ, Chick-fil-A, Starbucks. If it's the wintertime, you can put your, your seat warmers on. Can I get a witness? If it's the summertime, you can use the AC. If it's somewhere in between, you can roll down the sunroof. And your kids can watch videos in the back seat. Traveling is awesome. Not so in the ancient world. Not so. People traveled mostly by foot, so it took forever. 
There were robbers and bandits on the road. There were wild animals running loose. It was scary. And people never traveled by themselves because it was just so dangerous. But in and through all of that, it opened Jacob's eyes to the fact that God was the one who was with him. It was God. It was God. And in Genesis 35, verse 3, reflecting on his experience at Bethel, Jacob said, he has been with me everywhere I've gone. Woo! Did you know that God has been with you everywhere that you've gone? Did you know that God has even been with you when you were doing things that dishonored him? Did you know that God was even with you in your worst moment? God was there. That's why, that's why Hebrews 13, 5 says, Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. And sometimes we don't give because we think, well, I won't have enough. That's that most people think giving is a good thing. I want to be generous. I'd like to be a tither. But if I tithe, I won't have enough. You know, when I was a kid, I used to go Christmas shopping with my grandmother. And I had the total hookup. My grandma would take me to the mall. She would point to something that she wanted for Christmas. And then she would give me the money She would give me the money to buy the present for her. Now, is that the greatest racket you've ever heard of right there? What if you went to all your relatives and were like, I want to buy you a really nice Christmas present. I just want you to pay for it. And when I was real little, I didn't get the whole concept. When I got a little bit bigger, I realized, hey, this is a good deal. So I would use grandma's money to buy her something. And I felt real proud and I felt like that I'd been real generous and real kind and real faithful and, and, and all that. But, but then at the same time, it really didn't cost me anything. I think when we look at our own finances, when we look at our money as if everything has been given to us by God and then God has just asked for a small present back. God says, I just want that 10th portion. You can keep the rest and do what you want to with it. But, but I gave you 100% of everything that you had. I gave all of it to you. It's a great deal. It really is. That's why James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above. Everything we have is from the Lord. In Exodus 31, verse 6, God said, I have put wisdom in the heart of every skilled artisan. Whatever talent, skills, or abilities that you possess, it's all from Him. Everything that you have is from God. And our response to Him is to be grateful. And so our lives should be marked by continual recognition and thanksgiving to Him for everything that He has given to us and one of the ways that we demonstrate that is to give gratitude and generosity they go together like peanut butter and jelly like thunder and lightning 
like salt and pepper, and like so many other things that cannot be separated. Will you pray with me for just a moment?